it's probably one of the most exhilarating experiences. And I'll tell you about the first time I ever saw a wild orca. Um, we were out on this boat, I think, for two hours looking for whales. And then we finally found some whales. And we're closing in. And, like, my entire... I feel like my whole life was, like, waiting for this moment for me to see whales. I've been obsessed with orcas since I was a kid. And, like, all, all marine mammals, not just orcas. And I, like, I used to... The thought, like... I hadn't even met a killer whale, but the thought of meeting a killer whale in the wild, like, I would cry, like, before I met a killer whale. Like, that was, like, that was the reality of it. And I was just so excited for that to happen. And we're, like, approaching this family of whales. See this huge six-foot dorsal come up out of the water. And holy shit, it's, like, the craziest thing. I immediately started sobbing because there are wild killer whales right in front of me and I'm just like some kid from Ohio you know doesn't come from a lot isn't really going anywhere and I'm looking at a wild killer whale like are you serious right now I'm bawling my eyes out you just hear that breath you see those dorsal fins come out of the water like and, and there's like so much excitement and it's like I, I definitely one of the most emotional experiences that I've had 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 But there's just something about the power of an orca and, like, the magic that an orca encompasses. And, like, you feel that when you see a killer whale. This episode of Sea Aquarium Shame touches on topics including loss of a child, failed pregnancy, and animal extinction. If you would prefer not to have a listening experience involving those topics, please do not listen to this episode. It's a sad, sad story of grief and loss. For the past week, a mother orca known as J35 has been carrying around her dead calf off the coast of Washington. It's heartbreaking to see a killer whale carrying her calf who died shortly after birth. Marine biologists are keeping a close eye on an endangered orca off the waters around the southern Gulf Islands. The mother has been carrying the corpse of her calf for more than a week. Resident killer whale J35 is the living illustration about what's happening to the southern resident population. It's believed her family, who is also swimming with her, is sharing their food so she can eat. For hundreds of kilometers over more than 10 days, a mother orca just cannot let go, still carrying her lifeless calf through the waters of the Pacific Northwest. 
mourning her baby's death in a sad portrayal of the killer whale's struggle for survival. The southern resident killer whale, known as J-35, has been pushing and carrying her dead calf with her since July 24th. J-35, a mother who's been carrying her dead calf for more than two weeks. The most shocking part of this news, though, is that J-35, or Telequah, is still carrying her dead calf. The whale became tragically famous for pushing her dead calf through the water for 17 days back in the year 2018. A lot of us remember that. Remind our audience what happened with J-35 Telequa two years ago. Well, I mean, this was the story that captured the imagination of the entire world. Telequa is the most famous wild whale in the world now. And it's because and she tragically carried around her dead baby for 17 days. 17 and, days. Oh, she's pregnant right? again. What's going to happen? You know, it's an exciting thought, imagining more baby whales swimming in these waters. But even though these pregnancies are good news, experts do caution that we shouldn't be too quick to celebrate. We want this new promise of a baby to cancel out the heartbreak felt over her grief ritual, but the odds are still against them. It's a picture that's led to a lot of excitement, an indication an endangered family is getting ready to grow. The southern resident killer whale that carried her dead calf for 17 days two years ago is pregnant again. While this is happy news for these endangered orcas, some experts are warning it is possible Tahlequa could lose this calf too. In the waves off Washington State, a rare sighting of a super pod of southern resident killer whales. They were breaching and playing. Among the group, a brand new baby, just a day or two old. The mother orca is J-35. In 2018, people around the world were moved by her apparent act of mourning. She carried her dead calf for 17 days, 1,600 kilometers, before finally letting go. Phoenix, my child, I love you. Come swim with me. You have been in these waters before. I could feel you growing inside me, and with that, a growing hope of your arrival. Push, push, little Phoenix. The rest of the family is waiting to meet you. Swim with me more. Look around. This is your home. These are our ancestral waters. 
this is where we are created and where we are from. But I need to tell you, things are not always as they may appear. This place, this beautiful place, is in trouble. You will not understand this because you are just so young, but you have been born into a world that is not guaranteed for you. As much hope as your arrival brings, we are not sure that we will be here much longer. Don't worry, little phoenix. It's a lot to understand, I know. I am a good mother. I would not have brought you into a world without hope. I know I'm a good mother. You had a sister. Come swim a little closer. Let me tell you about her. Four years ago, I gave birth. I carried your sister inside me for 17 months, just like you. She was alive, and even before she was born, I fought to give her the best life possible. But things are hard out here for us right now. There's just not enough food. There's so much pollution and noise. The accumulation of all of this, it was just too much, I think. Your sister was born, she was alive, but, but it wasn't to be for very long. It could have been different, but it wasn't. Because this sea that we call home, this place that we swim in, it was not always this way. It was not always this drained of food. It was not always this loud. The humans that we share these waters with, they need to know what we are going through, what I was going through. When your sister died, I was so sad and so angry and felt so alone in the fight our family is in to survive. So, I showed the world. I showed the world your sister. I carried her for 17 days. One day for every month that she grew inside me. And on the 17th day, with the help of our family, who never left our side once, we said goodbye. In a ceremony in our ways, we let go. I let go. And in that moment, I did not ever think I would have a child again. But now you. Looking at you swimming so strong, so happy, so alive. You have to fight. You have to be strong. You have to do what your mother tells you. You have to listen. You have to follow along closely. I will help you grow. I am a good mother. I promise you, I am a good mother. What happened to your sister? It was not my fault. You are proof that we can survive. I love you. I will always love you. And we will swim together for the rest of our lives. You can always trust that I will be there for you, so long as you need me, so long as I am able. Now come, swim a little faster. We have a family reunion to get to. I need to show you off. 
you represent so much hope. I think that potentially, like, I, I, there is, I mean, we form relationships with animals and like, like you cannot, I cannot deny the relationship that my dog and I have. And I get that that's different, but I, I think that they, they did have an emotional, you know, bond there. And I think that potentially like she was trying to communicate to her pod and potentially even to us, like, Hey, things are not okay. And like, things need to change. Like, I think it was, maybe it like, she wasn't. I think it was a cry for help potentially of like I'm so sad that I just lost my baby and like I'm starving and like there's vessel noise and, and pollution and like I think it was just a cry for help or potentially even like a, a mental breakdown if you will. I feel like, like, what can you say? Like, what can you say when you, when you, when somebody's been wronged that badly, badly, badly? And I'm a science person, so I'm taught to be objective and I'm taught to, you know, not place things on to animals that are, you know, considered human, but I think it's very arrogant. Um, and I think it's also a little bit, um, close-minded to to say that something's not a possibility because we don't have a scientific explanation. If anything, it's a case for why science should be better to understand the emotional complexities of these beings. But it just goes to show that that's, that's a being with a soul and that's, um, that's just somebody with a family. Like, just like you and me, just somebody with a family. She was pregnant and she gave birth to her baby who... Um, did not have a chance, did not live very long, and she grieved the loss of that baby by pushing it around on her rostrum or the front part of her face for 18 days straight, and it was fully covered by the news. It made national news, um, but she did that for 18 days and then eventually left it. So it was a pretty clear indication of grief in an animal. There's absolutely zero biological relevance for that experience. The only thing that can explain that is emotional. It seems like they've got everything stacked against them. There's not enough food. They need about 20 Chinook salmon per day. There's vessel noise that's impacting them as well. They're, they, they can't hang out in their home range. Members of their population are dying and um, they are quite frankly on like the breach of extinction right now, the brink of extinction. there's that emotional bond there. We cannot deny that at this point. There's absolutely zero denying that orcas have emotional bonds with one another. Like you just can't, this, it's, it's not possible to deny it at this point.
there is still hope because, you know, briefly we discussed that they went through whole capture era and like harpooning and all of these crazy scenarios and they're still here and they're still fighting and um, now they're facing starvation and impacts of humans on the water and they're like they're going through all these things and I, I think like you know an article just got published is it too late for the southern residents and I understand why people are very much willing to give up hope, but like if, if, if history is any indication of how how they're going to proceed, if we all do what we need to do, if we do what's right for them because they need us right now, um, I think that they could survive. Um, I, I think that's very much a, a real possibility, but we just have to, to right our wrongs at this point. Ocean Sun had a daughter Lolita or Tokite, um, that's her indigenous name, and that her daughter was taken from her during the Penpo captures in the 1970s. Her daughter is the only southern resident killer whale who is still alive in captivity, and Ocean Sun is still alive today as well. My name is Erica Worth, com, and you can learn about professional background there. So um, I grew up in a small town outside of Columbus, Ohio, so square state in the middle of the United States. So I wasn't surrounded by the ocean, but my love kind of stemmed from going to the local zoo and aquarium that I lived nearby, and I just always had like a deep connection to the manatees that they had there. They were rescued manatees and um, I think that, that those manatees impacted my life more than I could have ever imagined um, and just like the fact that they were rescued manatees too I think had more of an influence on my development than I expected but I have always had a love for the ocean and growing up in Ohio I didn't know how I was gonna you know devote my life to this I've known about the plight of the ocean and the state that our oceans have been in and and I, I've known early on that like I, I felt that I was going to have to watch the oceans die and I didn't want to do that. I genuinely believe it's my calling and, um, you know, I, I had to kind of change my attitude and face the fact. Instead of hiding from the pain of not wanting to see the ocean die, I had to lean into it and just jump full force into it by getting involved with the Southern Resident Killer Whales who are dying. And so I did that and ended up starting a podcast about the Southern residents. And every day, my life is dedicated to the Southern residents. Like from the time I wake up, I like immediately woke up and, and like was just on my phone, like from the minute that I woke up and my, um, I had a friend over and he was like, oh, like whale stuff? And I was like, yes, like immediately, first thing out of the gates. And like from the time I go to bed, it's just like whale related things constantly southern resident related things there's not a day in my mind where the southern residents aren't a part of it they aren't involved and that i'm not like doing something to try to help them
So if you could say anything to Tahlequah, you know, and to her family, the Southern residents, what would you want to say? It would be pretty simple. Just, I'm sorry, and this isn't over. She appears to be the genius of a single natural force. She is the enchantment that radiates and enraptures the senses. Her enchantment brings into the world a loveliness that moves toward delight, and all that is separated desires fusion into oneness through the manifestation of something complete in itself. Those and that are the Southern Residents. And that is Skalichaktanak. The Southern Residents are people. Let's start there. I went through a major change. When I was uh, 23 years old, I was a captain in special operations in Vietnam in a theater of a war. And I was with an airborne unit. And uh, my job was, uh, don't need to go into that, but what happened on that helicopter ride when I was riding with a general, and I turned to the general and I said, uh, I have a question. I said, what is it, Captain? Why are we here? I said, why are we here? I said, I'm watching people suffer. Why? And I'll never forget what he said that broke my life in half with death in his eyes. He turned around to me and he said, Captain, war is good for business. End of story. And I said to myself, dang, I'm on the wrong side. So I came back and I decided I need to go where things felt right. And that led me to work with the Lummies over a number of years and through two years on a motorcycle meeting America so I could figure out who the Americans are. And now I wound up in Indian country. My name is Kurt. Kurt Russo. I can be found on a Google search just by typing in K-U-R-T-R-U-S-S-O. And once you get past Kurt Russell, <laughs> you'll find me. After you work with indigenous communities, you start wondering, how is history made anyway? Who makes up history? So I studied that and it's really informed my thinking 
So since 1978, starting with the American Indian Religious Freedom Act, uh, up through this morning, um, my work uh, lives at the intersection of treaty rights, the rights of nature, and environmental justice. In all the years I've worked with uh, tribes up and down the West Coast, and all the battles, we never lost one. And one of the reasons I think for these successes is, um, boy, that's terrible what happened with that. Maybe. <laughs> keep going. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. And that issue of being patient with persistence is such a rare commodity in a gadget-filled era. And it really is, at least from my little view of the world, one of the big skeleton keys to every success is persistence and patience and humility and persistence and patience and humility and comrades. Every year, there is a super pod moment and all of the pods come together and all the males on one side and all the females on the other. From one line will come a female, another line comes a male, and off they go. And the superpod stays together till they return. And the superpod is the expression of a kind of kinship. But its expression among the orcas is especially enrapturing. called Kualalmachan. Kualalmachan is the Lummi word for killer whale. That word means, in Lummi, it's translated to mean the people that live below the water. The water. The water. The water. The water. Live in longhouses in trenches under the water and in the longhounds they take off their regalia and for those that have the spiritual eyes and the ceremony to see their actuality they reveal themselves those are the southern residents Talikwa <sighs> Yeah, Talikwa, Talikwa's baby didn't live long. And uh, she carried it around and every time it fell off, she'd go to retrieve it and, and, and keep carrying it. It had never been observed, it had never been seen for a Kirlwell to carry a dead calf that far on that long. And she carried it and she carried it and she carried it. And she brought it up to the surface and showed it. She brought it out of the water to show it. People that know more about these beings than I do are of one mind, are of one mind than what she was doing. A, she was grieving. B, she was, she was saying to the world, look at what you've done. 
Look at what you've done to my baby. She was doing that with agency and intention. Anyone that's seen that footage will feel her grief. They have a whole part of their brain that we don't have, dedicated almost entirely to relationships. You said something that's true. They stay together. When, when that young orca died and when Tahlequah was done grieving, two Lummi Indians, because they are remarkably courageous women, Raynell Morris and Ellie Kinley, Lummi tribal members, and the chief of the Lummis went out on the Lummi Nation's law enforcement boat and broke the law. The Lummi law enforcement boat with their officers on board and these two women and the chief went out to apologize to the Kualmachan to grieve for their loss and to offer in ceremony live salmon. And they took live salmon out, put those live salmon into the water to feed the spirit and of course that is against the law. The uh, state officials chased after us in the boat. They were coming after us because we had a live fish on boat and we were going to put them in the water to feed the orca. And the Lummi law enforcement officer flashed his lights at them, which means stay away from us. It was an action of spiritual sovereignty. Noah said to us, you can't do that again. They were told in response, based on what moral authority do you say that? Those are acts of spiritual sovereignty and they feed the spirit. The Southern residents are in peril of going extinct, functional extinction if their babies don't survive. They are surviving right now. They're a little better than they were. One of the reasons that they are doing better is that these women and their courage to, to, to face down the feds, to face down the state managers who are managing the orcas to extinction, to face them down was courage of the highest order. That is a felony. You can't feed starving orcas. It's against the law. One of the things that Tahlequah was able to do that Ocean Sun has not been able to do is to resolve her grief. Tahlequah found resolution to her grief, both in her ability to show the people that live above the water what they are doing, and to her own people, they have them, and they gather, or they stayed with her, they stayed with her when she's grieving. 
they stayed with her so that her own family helped her resolve the grief. Ocean's son, her daughter just vanished. Vanished. She heard, she heard her keening getting more and more faint and faint. And she's gone. She doesn't know where she went. She didn't die. Her body's not here. Ocean Sun has unresolved grief. The entire Southern resident population suffers from unresolved grief. They lost a lot of their family that day, 1970, pulled out of the water at Penn Cove. So I think what, what really ties is Tahlequah shows us we grieve. We grieve like you grieve. And what Ocean Sun is saying, I'm grieving. Where is my daughter? There is a Lummi, traditional song, sung in Lummi by the Blackhawk singers, called Mother Looking for Her Lost Child. They took that song in Lummi. They had it placed by experts in Southern resident killer whale population frequency. They put that in that frequency in a pinger and put that pinger down in the water to 60 feet. And they played it for the Southern residents to tell them, we are going to bring your daughter home. could say anything to the southern resident killer whales what would you say to them that's that's a that's a really it's a deep question i would uh i would ask them to please please keep reminding us of our sacred obligation to your people Keep reminding us of our sacred obligation to your people. I would implore them to do that. And then I would let them know there are people above that are doing all they can. 
and we need you to be with us to make it true. That's what I say to them.